Welcome back to another episode of Midweek Mom Talk on 360 Talk Radio for Women. I'm Dr. Jackie, founder and CEO of Motion Spot LLC, and on today's episode, we're going to talk all about pregnancy, the good, the bad, what people don't tell you about, the things that everyone feels the need to tell you about. We're going to get into all of it. For some reason, when you're pregnant, everyone feels like it's their place to comment on your appearance as well as giving you some really great insight into pregnancy and motherhood or, you know, upcoming motherhood. So if you have people coming to you, touching your belly, telling you how huge you look or telling you that your belly's not big, that you don't even look pregnant, whatever... Ignore the comments. They don't mean anything, whether you look a little bigger or a little smaller, as long as your provider is satisfied and not concerned. Then whatever the size of your belly is, it is perfect, okay? Some pregnancies look bigger than others. Some look smaller, right? That's, you know, dependent on the person, Also, if it's your first pregnancy or your fifth pregnancy, right, you might look different. Between first and second pregnancies, you might look different. You might carry differently. Some people say it's based on whether the baby is male or female. I'm not sure if that's always accurate, but from my understanding, truly every single pregnancy, even if you have multiple boys or multiple girls, they can all be completely different from one another. Your symptoms might be different, your appearance might be different, or perhaps you carry very similarly. But either way, there's no wrong way to carry. People might also tell you about nausea, morning sickness, or for me, it's kind of an all-day sickness. It's not specific to the morning. It kind of just comes and goes. Um... You know, there are different ways of managing it, but if you talk to your provider, again, I'm sure they'll lead you in the direction that's best for you. What people don't necessarily mention is the chance of stress incontinence due to pregnancy. And what that means is that the pressure from your growing baby can weaken your pelvic floor and you might pee when you don't necessarily want to pee. So for me, what actually happened was during some bouts of nausea, some morning sickness, some of the vomiting was more violent than others. I'm not really sure how else to describe it without it sounding really gross, but when it was kind of harsher, that put added stress on my pelvic floor and on my bladder and I peed a few times and the first time that it happened I kind of was just like okay you know maybe my bladder was full but after the second time it happened the third time it happened I was like all right you know what this is not coincidence this is probably stress incontinence I have not done pelvic floor exercises in a while for me I tend to work out and be rather fit before getting pregnant i try to keep up with it first trimester but once the exhaustion hits i'm basically out of commission 
until second trimester and that's when I get my energy back and my motivation back and so when I was out of commission from exercising that hurt my pelvic floor strength and so then second trimester I really made an effort to introduce or reintroduce some pretty basic pelvic floor exercises into my fitness routine and after completing it really just a few times even I don't work out every single day it was maybe for like two or three weeks a couple of times a week then the next time I had a spout of nausea I did not experience any incontinence and I haven't experienced any since. So people might not mention that you can have this incontinence during pregnancy. Some people do mention that, you know, after you give birth that you might just start peeing when you cough or sneeze or whatever. And people will just say, oh, that's motherhood. You know, that's normal. It is common. Okay. But it's not normal. Like it shouldn't happen. And you don't have to deal with it happening. So if you're worried about it or if you are dealing with it already, if you need some help, if you need some ideas for some exercises, you can reach out and I'll be happy to work with you on that. You can email me at drjackie at motionspotllc.com or you can send me a message on Instagram. That's motionspotllc. My latest Instagram posts actually are all about pregnancy and all about, um, you know, fitness and showing you a few quick, pretty simple, basic exercises that don't involve any equipment. Um, I have, I believe, one about pelvic floor, specifically with the stress incontinence and showing you just a few of those exercises that I do. Again, without any equipment, you can always add equipment, weights or exercise bands, things like that. I don't always use them. They're not 100% necessary. You can still, you know, do what you need to do, get the results that you're looking for, even without having equipment or access to equipment at home. And then the other video I created was um, exercises that help with your glutes and your hips and preparing for labor. Basically just a a bunch of different varieties, forms of squats. Um, Again, no equipment and just different ways of squatting in order to target different muscle groups in different areas. And from what I hear, people who squat end up having easier labors. Don't quote me on that. That's not scientific at all. But my husband claims that I only pushed for 10 minutes because I squat a lot. (laughs) Squat a lot. And a friend of ours also recently gave birth who does CrossFit and she also only pushed for about 10 minutes. So he is thinking it's because she squats also. So to him, that's, you know, a pretty foolproof evidence-based research study. Um, It might be actually something interesting to look into. Perhaps I'll do that myself and then I can share if that, if there is, you know, scientific evidence to it. But it does make sense that if you have experience with squats right you have that form you know kind of how to isolate different parts of your body and different you know your lower muscle groups 
It also helps with not just strengthening, but also opening up your hips and preparing for that labor and birthing process, helping your body to build endurance because as they say, it is not a sprint. Labor and delivery is a marathon. And once you're in the middle of the delivery process, if you're going the vaginal route, it is, um, you know, there are different techniques to pushing and ways of, of birthing. So being familiar, having experience with squat form might be helpful for you. And if you need help with that as well, you can again reach out Dr. Jackie at motionspotllc.com or Instagram is motionspotllc. So other than nausea and bumps, what else do people tell you about? A lot of people are like, oh, you know, just you wait, you're in for you're in for it. I don't know why people feel the need to be so negative when someone is pregnant. Like I personally, I mean, I don't love the discomfort or the nausea, but I love being pregnant. I think because I love what it represents and I'm excited to grow my family. So I enjoy it. And when people say these negative things about how I look or whatever, I kind of just laugh. And in my head, I'm like, you know, they're lucky that I actually love my bump. And I love, you know, everything that my body is able to do. And, you know, they are right. It, it is hard and the sleeping and whatever. But it's, I think what annoys me is when people say, like, oh, you better rest now, right? You better sleep now. I don't know if those people have been pregnant before or not, but sleeping during pregnancy is also not so easy, you are uncomfortable, you're waking up at night, maybe you have to go to the bathroom frequently or you have heartburn, right? There are other reasons. Maybe your baby is just dancing all night long. It's not so easy to get sleep while you're pregnant. But also, like let's say you do, let's say you are having absolutely no issues and hopefully you're not and you're able to get a full eight to ten nights rest every single night throughout your pregnancy, it's not like you can put that extra sleep in a reserve and once the baby comes you can just tap into that reserve sleep while they're in the newborn stage like what is the point of that comment of the oh you better sleep now like what purpose does that serve that's not helpful it's not useful it i don't know i think it's just something silly that people like to say I don't know. I hate when people are negative about pregnancy or parenthood. Like, it's supposed to be a beautiful thing and it's supposed to be exciting. And I don't know why people feel the need to rip away any happiness or excitement that you might be feeling and instead replace it with fear and uncertainty and anxiety as if we aren't already feeling stressed out and anxious and nervous about the future. Here come these outside voices. Super helpful. What would be helpful would be to actually provide tips and advice. So that is what I am hoping to do right now. So we were just talking about sleep. So I am sure you've heard or seen different pregnancy pillows available. I personally love my pregnancy pillow. With my first pregnancy, went with my son when i got that pregnancy pillow it changed sleeping for me so much i definitely like before the pillow came or before i decided to invest in ordering one 
I would sleep with like a million regular pillows just around me, like one pushed into my back, one kind of tucked under my belly, one behind my head, one between my legs, like it was wild. And when I ordered that pregnancy pillow, I got the C shape. So there are a bunch of different kinds, right? You can get like a pregnancy or a body pillow that's just like one long pillow. Uh, I think there's like a U shape, there's the C shape, and I'm sure there are a bunch of other ones. So it is big and it can be bulky. I know that like the new thing now is coming up with, um, companies are coming out with like smaller versions of pregnancy pillows to support your back and your belly. I haven't tried it, so I don't know how comfortable those are. I've only seen one actually lately. It's like it, it's behind. It, there's like a like a cushion behind your back, and then it goes underneath you, and then there's another cushion in the front, so under your belly, I guess. So then you can like roll over without having to like bring anything with you or like change anything. Um, again, I don't know how comfortable it is to have that underneath you, but it, you also don't have anything between your legs or between your knees and in that style, so you would still need another pillow to put um, between your legs. And I do 100% recommend sleeping with a pillow between your knees, whether you're pregnant or not, but it is, oh, it's very helpful for um, reducing the stress that's put on your hips if you have that pillow between your knees. So anyway, back to my pregnancy pillow. I have a C shape, and what I love about it, so first of all, I have the opening towards the outside of the bed, towards the side that I get out on, so that I'm able to get out of the bed without like trying to climb over this big pillow especially come like third trimester it's going to be harder to get up and down and move around so you definitely want to have a clear opening so the pillow um, again it's that c-shape so it goes under my head and then the rest of it is either pushed on my back or it's I put it underneath my belly when I'm facing that direction. And then the bottom part of the C is between my legs. So whenever I roll over, I do have to, you know, take my legs kind of out and then readjust myself. So it's a different leg on top versus bottom. But it doesn't really interrupt my sleep. And when I'm facing the open direction, the, the side that has the C opening, I put like the tips of the sea underneath my belly and I just find it very very comfortable so I definitely recommend the a, a pregnancy pillow of some sort you can play around with different shapes and sizes of different pillows but for me it really improved my sleep during pregnancy I did think that I would love it in postpartum also I was like wow I'm just gonna sleep with this thing forever but it really is a bit bulky and with a newborn and just being uncomfortable from postpartum I didn't love having this extra bulk in my bed so I really only use the pregnancy pillow during pregnancy I think I know some people sleep with body pillows all the time. I personally don't. Maybe just like a, a log type of body pillow would be fine for all around. But I just have the pregnancy pillow during pregnancy. And then if um, the rest of my life, I have a pillow under my head and then a pillow between my knees. 
I always have a pillow between my knees. Uh, with my pillow, with my pregnancy pillow, I do also have a pillow underneath my head because I need that little bit of extra elevation. For me, it's more it's to help with my sinuses, but then also it, it seems to be a bit helpful to be a slightly elevated during pregnancy to help ease any heartburn or acid reflux that you're having. All right, so that is my sleeping tip, right? How can we help sleeping be better, more comfortable, more enjoyable or possible during pregnancy? So what about during the day? First off, when I was first pregnant, I was like, you know what? It's, and I know a lot of people have the same thought. It's only nine months of my life, right? It's not a very long time in the grand scheme of things. I don't want to buy clothes that I'm only going to use for a little bit plus the seasons change so it's not like I can just get one wardrobe if you live somewhere with seasons as I do so you're gonna have to essentially buy clothes for a bunch of different seasons that you're only gonna wear at this one part in your life right so originally I didn't buy any extra um, maternity clothes I used whatever you know my sister had a couple extra shirts or whatever a pair of leggings so that's what I had and a majority of my pregnancy was through the summer and it was quarantine summer so I basically was just like in shorts and a tank top all the time and no one saw me so it didn't really matter but by winter I was very uncomfortable and I had no pants to wear and it sucked like you're already uncomfortable in inside right you're like your body's uncomfortable and now to also be uncomfortable on the outside with what you're wearing was i i just don't recommend it so i would definitely think about investing in some maternity clothes you don't even have to buy things like brand new like there are plenty of secondhand if you're okay with that if you go to like facebook marketplace or any consignment shops like people are always selling for cheap or giving away even maternity clothes that are in very good condition and clean and you can always wash it again so at the very least i definitely would say you know go get yourself something comfortable that you can fit into while you're pregnant especially if it's your first pregnancy and you are planning to have more children, then, you know, odds are you're going to reuse these clothes again. I also ended up wearing some of the things that I got when I was in that postpartum phase too, especially since I was nursing and a lot of maternity clothes are also nursing friendly. So I did reuse some of those clothes and I ended up wearing them for like a good year and maternity leggings, not the ones that have like that belly high rise thing, but just in general, like stretchy type pants. So comfortable, wear them all the time. And then in postpartum, I was completely not prepared other than those couple of, you know, maternity things that I had. So I ended up then cut, like allowing myself, right, as moms, that's what we have to do. We have to tell ourselves like, oh, it's okay, like I can do this for myself. So I allowed myself to buy some bralettes and nursing bras and um, some shorts and pants and things like that and nursing friendly tops and dresses. I purchased a few of them. And I actually ended up getting a bunch from a small business called Bao Bay Body, B-A-O-B-E-I-B-O-D-Y. 
So I got a bunch of bralettes from there. I still wear them. I wore them through postpartum. I'm wearing them now. I've been wearing them. It's I was, what, 2021? January 21, 22, 23. I've been wearing them for like two plus years now. Um, and I recently got more. And they're always coming up with different motherhood-friendly articles of clothing they have um the bralettes they have nurse there which are friend like birthing friendly and nursing friendly they have some bras that have more support i guess they're technically still bralettes that have more support they have different tank top styles and um maternity pants and leggings and just a whole bunch of things that are super comfortable definitely worth it so if you give them a try, I actually have a 15% code you can use, which is MotionSpot15, M-O-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-T-1-5. That'll save you 15% on any order, as long as it's not an item that's already on sale. Um, so where was I going with this? Okay, yeah, being comfortable during your pregnancy. So I was saying to that there are different, you know, clothes that you should definitely look into maternity clothes, but also as far as your bump goes, highly recommend some sort of a support band, a, a pregnancy um, bump band. They actually have one also, Babe has a supportive um can't remember exactly what they call it it's like a support band but it like goes over your whole belly and it just provides like this extra support like a little bit of a lift and comfort so when you're I don't know about you but when I'm pregnant and I have a belly I feel the need to like hold my my belly all the time because I'm trying to lift it up to take pressure off of my back so basically a support band means that it's doing that for you so you don't have to hold your belly so it's taking some pressure off of your back um when i'm not wearing a band or if you don't have a band if you don't want a band but you want to get some pressure off of your back without holding yourself you can have a friend or a partner hold your bump for a couple seconds or you can um, stand where you have a table or a counter space or even a couch or something that is of a similar height to where your belly is and you can rest i'm not even joking you can rest your bump on the this table or counter and that will again also push uh take off some of the pressure from your back because when you have the belly hanging right it's kind of pulling it pulls you it you might not physically be like completely hunched over but there is that bit of pull that your spine feels so if you have upper or lower back pain it could be just from that hanging belly so that having it rest just lifts it up a little bit so that your back isn't feeling like it has to do all of the lifting i do want to pause real quick and just say that even though i might have the training that i have the background that i have right i have all of this knowledge that does not mean that I have like perfect or easy feeling pregnancies, right? I still have sciatic pain and calf, um, what is it called? The Charlie horse, the like tightening in the muscle in your calf, right? I can't even think of what it's called. Um, I have back pain, like I still have all of these things, 
But my background and my training, my profession kind of just gives me that heads up with, okay, hey, like you're feeling this and this is what you can do to help stop it, right? Sometimes, yes, I do use my background to try and prevent certain things from happening. But even with, you know, even with my knowledge, I still had stress incontinence because I wasn't doing my pelvic floor activities as regularly. And then once I got stress incontinence, then I was like, all right, well, let's start working on it. Right. So I still like just because I have this information doesn't mean that I have some sort of like easy breezy pregnancy. Um, I'm more just able to help myself, and so I'm able to help you and help other people as well. I also highly recommend prenatal massages. They are excellent. Again, just make sure that you are going to someone who is a specialist in prenatal care. Um, You could go to physical therapy locations. They sometimes have massage therapists on staff. And those specialists might be um, prenatal certified or have prenatal experience. The benefit of going to a physical therapist like that, a physical therapy office, is that you might be able to use some medical insurance. I do not go to physical therapy for prenatal massages. I go to a private prenatal specialist. So I go to a massage therapist who happens to have a prenatal specialty as well. And so I pay, you know, cash like that. I do feel like you, you know, you pay for what is important to you. So if getting this help is what you want or what you need, it's worth the extra money versus going someplace that you might be able to use insurance. And, you know, perhaps you have a copay, perhaps not, but you might not be getting the best care as it you would if you went to a place where you were able to pay cash and pay out of pocket. That's definitely something that I've noticed as a provider working for different practices and also as a patient. When you pay up front, like when you pay the provider with money, right? When you pay them with cash, they take you more seriously sometimes, but they're also able to just give you higher quality of care because they don't have to play to the games of the insurance companies. So they know that they're making, you know, they're making money for the time that they're giving you. So you are thus getting higher quality, better quality care because they're not going to be distracted with other people or, you know, other you're not going to be booked with like a hundred other people in the same time. You're not going to have just like a five minute visit with the doctor. You're going to have the full time that you are supposed to be having that full session that you really have the right to. That's a pretty interesting topic. I think maybe I'll do like a 15 minute 411 on insurance, like using insurance versus cash pay for different services. Um, But anyway, back to pregnancy and prenatal care. So what other things can you do to maybe try and help yourself during pregnancy, have it be more comfortable, and then also will help with postpartum, hopefully, or the labor and delivery process at the very least. So we've talked already about do about pregnancy pillows, right, using that to help relieve the pressure 
from your hips and kind of hold your belly up at night. We've talked about different maternity clothes and belly bands to, again, help relieve the pressure. So other things that you can do. Um, I also mentioned just now the prenatal massage, and I've mentioned before um, pelvic floor exercises. So you could also do yoga when you are pregnant. I would recommend, especially the farther you get into yo into your pregnancy, to do a prenatal chair yoga. I actually run a prenatal yoga course, a session. Um, it takes like 20 to 30 minutes a session and it's really a full body experience, but it's all chair yoga. So you're sitting, there's little to no risk of falls. Sometimes during pregnancy, because of our blood um, levels changing and our heart rates changing and just everything being so different than we're used to, you might get dizzy faster, your heart rate might increase faster. So I really like having the yoga session be in sitting so that you can focus on the different movements that you're doing instead of worrying about possibly falling over or getting dizzy and things like that. So a chair yoga for prenatal is awesome. Um, the one that I go through with my clients, again, really is like a head-to-toe type of experience. We stretch and relieve pressure from, like all throughout the spine um, in your shoulder blades, your upper traps, your hips. We work also on, there is a pelvic floor and a core stability and strengthening section. We do modifications of the different warrior poses. And it's really a great way to, first of all, kind of relax, right? Relax the mind, relax the body, because you're doing things in this relaxing type of almost meditation type of a way right yoga is supposed to be relaxing in a sense it's work yes like it's not an easy thing but the environment is always very soothing and there's a lot of focus on your breath and kind of doing these different movements that are not supposed to be painful but are supposed to feel good and that's what I love about prenatal yoga because that's exactly what we need right we're not trying to increase our discomfort or, you know, work out and have pain, we really want to feel good in the movements that we're doing. So first, so that's first, it relaxes the mind, it relaxes the body, helps you to make sure that you're breathing. But we're also working on strengthening various parts of our body, various muscle groups, and not only strengthening muscle, but also increasing our endurance, increasing our flexibility, and all of those things are going to be very helpful when it comes to the labor and delivery process. And then again, it will be helpful in postpartum because your body has gotten used to this type of routine. So you have built some muscle, you have increased some flexibility, increased some endurance. So come postpartum, you're, you know, you're starting, the level that you're starting at is going to be higher than if you didn't have those prenatal yoga sessions, right? Because your body still learns something. Of course, it's not like right after you give birth, you're going to be able to, you know, run and jump and do everything all over again. But once you're recovered, or perhaps it might help you to recover faster, but once you're ready to start moving more and 
you know, maybe getting some extra steps or getting some extra workouts in, it will feel easier than if you didn't already have experience with prenatal yoga. And I'm not saying that like, you know, what you should do then is the yoga session again. I just mean in general, like when you have, when you're at a certain level, your body is going to have that muscle memory and it'll be, it'll take you less time to return to that same level. So if you end pregnancy at a higher level of muscle strength or a higher level of endurance and flexibility, it's going to be easier for you to get back to that same higher level in postpartum. All right, kind of sticking on a similar topic here with the prenatal yoga. Something that I am trying this time around is meditation. I know a lot of people who are into meditation are very spiritual about it and say that it's really altered their whole way of being. I am just not that kind of person. I'm not good at, I guess, thinking about things in that sort of way. But I'm also not good at just sitting and essentially doing nothing. I'm not good at quieting my mind. So my husband has actually started getting into meditation, which is funny because when I first started my business, I was reading books like The Secret, and I was very into the idea that things that come to us are related to the things that we are thinking and things that are more mindful and, you know, just things of that nature. And my husband would actually kind of make fun of me and be like, you know, what are you talking about? That makes no sense. And now here he is telling me all about our state of mind and how to let thoughts come in and come out and all of these kind of quote unquote more alternative methods to life. So not that meditation and the secret are similar or is trying to say the same thing, but it's just funny that my husband and I have essentially switched roles. So now he's gotten really into meditation and he really wanted me to try it too. He was just like, you know, with our son, with our first pregnancy, I was very stressed out and it was very overwhelming and like all the hormones and just everything. And he sees now that, you know, not only do I have now my son to take care of, but also work and, you know, all my business things, plus pregnancy and hormones and all of these other stressors, he does not want me to get to a level of stress that I'm having like meltdowns all the time. And... So we've been starting to meditate together. It took me a while, I will say, to figure out like the purpose behind it, but I am starting to get the hang of it, and I'm trying to, so right now I'm really trying to do it to help me sleep, like if I hear noises or whatever, it's harder for me to fall asleep, or if my thoughts are racing, it's harder for me to fall asleep, so I use the meditation techniques to kind of quiet the noise both figuratively and literally and you know figurative noise and literal noise I mean and it helps me to fall asleep which as we've talked about before is crucial during pregnancy and once your baby comes but during pregnancy you know sleep is not as easy as people think so I've been using meditation for that purpose and I want to you know, try to get really good at it. And I'm hopeful that perhaps the labor process will be easier. I don't know if this is going to help. Like, I'm not expecting it to replace an epidural, for me at least. Um, I would have to look more into that. But even if it doesn't help, 
with that labor process, like even if I'm not able to kind of quiet the noise of, of contraction pain, at the very least, I am getting better sleep right now. So I think that's huge. And for that reason, I would recommend trying meditation while you are pregnant or before you get pregnant, after pregnancy. At some point, if nothing else, it might help you to just relax your mind in a different way and hopefully will help you sleep. All right, so we've talked about so far this hour how to prepare yourself, how to help yourself during pregnancy and things that might help you not just get through the pregnancy, but also potentially prepare you for labor and delivery. But I also want to spend the last 20 or so minutes here talking about how you can physically prepare, preparing your surroundings and things like that. So first of all, definitely get a car seat. I would put it into your car as soon as you feel comfortable. I would not leave that to the last minute. Some people, you know, don't buy anything before the baby comes for various reasons. I'm actually one of those people who is a little bit superstitious, so I don't buy certain things, but I did get a car seat ahead of time with my son. So I put that in the car mm, maybe a month or so before the due date. It was He was born in December, so I also... You know, I wanted to make sure that it wouldn't snow or there was it wasn't like totally freezing. So I just found like a decent weather day and I went to the fire department and I had them install it for me. But that was a big deal for me because you always want to, you know, as a first time mom, especially you want your kids to be safe, but you might not know exactly what the protocols are for putting the car seat in. And if you've never done it before, some of them are a lot more complicated than expected. So I just felt comfortable going and having professionals install it. And then they also told me the right positioning of the chest harness and the buckle and the straps and all the different things. They told me how to make sure that the baby is in there. I did not remember once I gave birth and I was able to go home. I, of course, did not put it put my son in the right way, um, like the straps were too low or whatever. So I asked the nurse to confirm that it was right and she fixed it for me. But at least I knew that the car seat, like the base of the car seat was incorrectly and I knew how to get the carrier in and out and, you know, how to make sure that it was definitely in securely. Something that I learned also that was very important to me and that I've continued to keep in, in my in my head is that when rear facing the back, which your baby should be, your um, the car seat, the back of that car seat should not be touching the seat that's in front of it. So whether that's the driver's seat or the passenger seat that's in front of it in your car, the car seat should not have any contact with another seat. So there should always be room in between. I believe that's, God forbid, there is an accident that it, you know it's not absorbing any of the impact from the accident so that was the first thing it was the car seat so i definitely got that i think i did wait until maybe there was a sale or something but i'll talk about when exactly i purchased things in a moment so car seat yes i would also recommend looking into strollers i am not a stroller expert 
But from what I have experienced and test driven, I do recommend test driving strollers. See which push you like better. Some of them are smoother than others. Some are folding easier than others or, you know, some kind of fold like an accordion and then they kind of look more compact. Others fold in half. So you should see what style you like better, what fits better in your trunk. Um, where you're going to store the stroller when you're not using it. Is it going to be in the house? Is it going to be in a garage or, or something like that? Right. Keep those things in mind. I will say that I didn't have much choice in the stroller that I have. Uh, I'm not I'm not complaining about it at all. I have two strollers and both of them happen to be gifts from people. One of them was um, my sister-in-law who's boys are older so they don't need the stroller anymore so they gave it to us and it was it's a very good stroller and then the other stroller was from my sister after her first she gave it to me and i think it was a gift also she got it as a gift and then gave it to me and then um somebody gave her another one when she had her second because they were kind of at the same time mine and hers so either way two strollers that i have uh were gifts which is great because strollers are really expensive but that being said, if you aren't going to get one as a gift or whatever, I do recommend just looking into test driving them, seeing the different features that some of them have. Strollers are supposed to be very durable, so I do think that it would be an expense that is worth it. For this second pregnancy, I am thinking to potentially buy a new stroller, or at the very least, I'm going to buy different adaptations to turn our stroller that's able to turn into a double into a double so that's also something to keep in mind right if you are thinking that you're going to have multiple children i would make sure that the stroller you're purchasing now is one that can be converted into a double because you don't want to then have to just buy another stroller and you're kind of spending money twice like for no reason in a way i don't know as much about double strollers i haven't tested like which type is better if they should be side by side or um, one on top of the other. I want to say tandem. I just don't remember which word. I don't remember which version is tandem. Is that side by side or up and down? But anyway, I know from what I've read, they have, you know, they each have their pluses and minuses. The one that is side by side seating might be harder to fit through doorways and things like that, but might have like an easier push because it's not going out as far whereas you know the opposite would be true for the one that's top to bottom also sometimes with the ones that are top to bottom the older child sits on top and the younger child has to go on the bottom which some people find annoying and like for me I kind of have trouble thinking about how that would work where my toddler doesn't really need me to you know be there and he's going to want to look out and see everything whereas the newborn I'm going to want to see and make sure that they're doing okay but I guess if the newborn is sleeping then they can just be on the bottom and my son could be on the top seat I don't know whatever but just something to keep in mind that if you're gonna spend a little extra on a stroller that you should think about can it convert into a double stroller so that next time instead of buying a whole new stroller hopefully you can just buy an extra seat and the different um, adapters that need to be purchased. So it's going to be a much smaller purchase financially than buying a whole new stroller after having already purchased a new stroller for your first child. As far as cribs go, 
I think it really depends if you're going to put your baby in the crib right away or if they're going to go in a bassinet next to you. Whichever one you have, um, whichever one you're thinking rather to use is the one that I would make sure to have ahead of time. So it's all set up and you can figure out how the bedroom will look and you know, you're going to know where everything is. We also have a dog who likes to know what's going on and he does not love when things change. So we actually brought the bassinet in pretty early and the pack and play also because we had the pack and play in the living room and the dog likes to be in the living room. And then we brought the um, the bassinet into our bedroom and the dog sleeps in our bedroom also. And I read that you shouldn't like kick your dog out of their space. And if you do need to take your dog from like the spot that they usually lie in and change it, that you should do it well before the baby comes so that the dog doesn't associate the baby with the change in their in their um, comfort, I suppose. So we put the pack and play and the bassinet up a bit earlier, maybe again about like a month, if not if not longer than that, honestly, maybe it was more like six weeks before the due date. So the dog would have, I know it's all for the dog. So the dog would have time to adjust and to sniff and, you know, to get used to this new thing and hopefully not make any association with it being because of this new human that we're bringing into his life. So those were the major things that we got early. We, you're always going to get clothes. People are always going to give you clothes or you can always find clothes on marketplace, right? Secondhand, if you're comfortable with that or at consignment shops or there are always sales and things like that. I wouldn't worry as much about the clothes. Definitely make sure that you have a couple of outfits prepared at least to take home from the hospital or if there's any special like pictures that you want to take things like that but I wouldn't worry about having like a whole year's worth of clothes like prepared in a closet for the baby because you don't even know what size they're going to be when they come right they might be a newborn size but they also might fit better into preemie sizes even if they came on time Um, they might also be very large and maybe would fit better into zero to three months or even three months so I wouldn't go crazy with the clothes and the different accessories I think it would be better to just have the essentials and then kind of decide okay what do I actually need because you can always make purchases as needed it's going to be a lot harder to return things and especially after the baby comes and it's going to be harder to like declutter if you have all these extra things and you end up not using them and it's going to be very stressful trust me. So this time around, I really haven't done much. I know I do have the basics from my son, but I haven't really like looked into anything else or looked at clothes or I really haven't even set up like a nursery or anything like that. I'm just like thinking things through. I also haven't packed my hospital bag yet with my son. I think I started packing maybe at like 24 weeks And mostly it was because of excitement. And anytime I read something that said like, oh, you need to have this in your hospital bag, I quickly went and threw it in the bag. What I then started doing instead of that was just making a list of the items that I know I wanted to have. Again, I like lists. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I love writing things down and then checking them off or crossing them off the list once they're completed. So I love making a list for the hospital bag and that's what I'm doing this time as well. So I'm just making that list and I'll probably pack it closer to 32 weeks depending on you know the doctor's appointments and what they say, how the baby te- is trending and things like that. 
I do want to be prepared ahead of time. I don't want it to be a last minute throw everything in the bag situation. And at some point, I don't know exactly when, maybe 35 or 36 weeks, I do just have the bags ready and making sure that if we're going somewhere a little bit farther that I'm bringing my bag and my husband's bag and the baby's bag into the car with us just in case so we don't have to go back home, right? Things like that. What do you need in the hospital bag? I don't know. There are so many opinions on what you need. I would definitely recommend a hair tie or two. I ended up taking a shower in the hospital, which I wasn't expecting to because I don't love taking showers and showers that aren't my shower, but I did bring my own conditioner. Um, I think I might have brought shampoo. I don't remember now, but I definitely brought my own conditioner and body wash because I read, right, well, that's what I read. I read that you should bring your own things like that so that you feel more comfortable and you're, you know, smelling the way that you like. You have these fragrances that you enjoy and whatever. So I did that. Hair tie, definite. Shampoo, conditioner, things like that. If you plan to take a shower, you know, bring it. If you think you might, it can't hurt to bring. Um, a long extension cord for your charge, uh, charging, rather, not an extension cord. A large, um, what are the words? A long charger. A phone charger that has a long cord to it. Not one of those shorter ones because the, the outlet is always going to be far away from the bed for whatever reason. Maybe even bring two of them, one for you and one for your partner if they're going to be there with you. I brought my own pillow. I never travel with my own pillow. Whenever I go to a plane or, or a trip anywhere, I don't bring my own pillow. But for this, I did, and I'm really glad I did. I am a particular sleeper. I like to have extra elevation and just be surrounded by pillows and put them everywhere. So I brought my own to make sure that I had the right head support that I wanted. My husband brought his own as well. Uh, I think he maybe just brought like a smaller neck pillow and not a full-on pillow. But either way, definitely recommend, if you are like me, to bring the extra pillow. Bring your own pillow. Some people bring their own blanket. I did not. Um, I brought fuzzy socks. I know they have hospital socks, but in the winter with my son, I wanted to make sure that I had my own comfy fuzzy socks. I will say I did not use any clothes that I brought for myself except for the clothes that I went home in, which was nothing special. I read to bring looser items, and that was pretty easy in the winter. I just wore really, really big sweatpants and a baggy shirt or a sweater, something like that, a baggy sweatshirt, so that nothing felt constricting. So I'd recommend that if you can bring something loose. You know, you're it's not you're not going home as if it's a beauty pageant. Like you just went through this whole thing. You're going to be uncomfortable. You don't want to wear something that's also uncomfortable. I did bring a cute outfit for the baby. I brought one was the one that I was planning to take him home in, something that I was hoping he would fit in. And then I brought a backup, something that I didn't necessarily hate, but wasn't my favorite option either, but just a good backup in case he didn't fit into the um, original outfit choice. Either it would have been way, way, way too big or if it was too small, so I just brought an extra outfit. I think I, I think the going home outfit was newborn size. I didn't even think to get preemie sizes at the time, which he definitely would have fit in. My son was 
was tinier, didn't have as much fat on him. So he probably would have fit into preemie, but my main option was newborn. And then um, the next, I went the next size up. So I went zero to three months as a backup option. Obviously bring toiletries, deodorant, toothbrush, toothpaste, things like that. Otherwise, the hospital really has everything that you need. If you're giving birth at a birthing center, I'm sure they have everything as well. But you could always check in with them. But as far as diapers and wipes and things like that, the hospital has it. If you're planning to nurse, I did bring the nipple butter with me the first time around. But the hospital ended up giving me a lot of their own and like samples and things like that. So I really didn't need to use any of the things that I brought myself for breastfeeding. Um, I've heard that you can bring your pump with you if you need help with it. I kind of wish I did that because I never knew if I was using the right size when I was pumping. Um, I think I have a better handle on it now though, so I don't think I'll bring my pump with me, but just something to keep in mind if you're going to want extra support for breastfeeding or pumping if it's your first time and definitely recommend scheduling a visit with the lactation consultant while you're at the hospital. Oh, I said I would mention when I started purchasing things. So one way, depending on when your due date is, you can see if there are any major holidays coming up because a lot of places will have different sales around those holidays or seasonal changes. So especially for those big ticket items. Otherwise, I would put the items into a registry, even if you're not going to share the registry with anyone. If you make a registry, let's say with Amazon, you get a registry discount. So, or I think they call it like a completion discount, something like that. There'll be a point a few weeks before your due date, maybe like two months before the due date, they will give you a discount on eligible items in your registry. I think it ends up being just about everything. So that could be an option too, to save a little bit of money, especially on those bigger items, but also the smaller ones too. And then um, you can also, if you're going to different stores, like baby specific stores, sometimes they will sell you the floor model or you can ask if they have an open box in the back. So all of these are gonna be cheaper than a brand new full-priced item. But the floor model, for the most part, and especially the open box that might be in the back, they're not used and they're not damaged, but they're not considered brand new closed, so they can sell them at at lesser rates. That's actually what we did with definitely the pack and play, maybe with something else, but we got the pack and play for a really great deal because it was the floor model and they didn't have another option in the back. They didn't have an open box option. And they didn't have a box. I remember that. They didn't have a box for the pack and play that was the floor model. So they ended up giving us an extra discount for that. So just a few tips to keep in mind there. As always, I hope this was a helpful, informative, hopefully stress-reducing session for you all here on Midweek Mom Talk. We talked about pregnancy, how to relieve pain and body stress during pregnancy, as well as mental stress of preparing for labor and delivery, different things that you can do and and help you prepare your body as well as your environment, right, physically, like the packing of your bags and things like that. 
Next time, I want to continue our talk about pregnancy, but talk more about the difference between first baby versus second baby and the transition of going from one to two, the differences that there might be and different thoughts that I've seen, you know, mothers kind of put out there and and express. In the meantime, I hope you have a great week, a great rest of your week, and I hope you tune in next time to another episode of Midweek Mom Talk with Dr. Jackie on 360 Talk Radio for Women. Bye-bye for now.